Welcome to Bible Mysteries. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? You're listening to episode 164, The Song of Moses, Prelude. Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. Welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell. I'm John Potts, and this is the show that talks about things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is getting crazier day by day, isn't it, Yes, <laughs> every day is something new. I know. So it's almost like I'm afraid to turn the news on anymore. Uh, you know, you're well, saying, you're just going to get a pack of lies anyways. But yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, you'll you'll get the bad news of something that actually happened, but then you got to know, is it true what they're saying about it? Yeah. So I have to cross-reference everything. Um, I mean, I still watch the news and I still read the news, but now I do it through the lens of how true is what I'm being presented and what is what are this what is their not their message but what are they what's their per agenda that's a better way yeah good of putting it what right? their agenda and and how much of it is propaganda yeah yeah uh, I feel like I get better news from social media than I do I can open up Fox News and read that or I can listen to ABC or CNN and I think they're all lying they are <laughs> I agree and and right now uh, especially with what's going on with Israel and, mm-hmm. and Gaza Strip. And Ukraine, you name it, it doesn't matter where, um, all of that is designed to divide us. Absolutely. We discussed this before, but I think it's ramping up. You're basically seeing people forcing you to pick a side. You're either pro-Israel or you're anti-Israel, you know. And and what's funny is if you're pro-Hamas, or excuse me, if you're pro-Palestine, you're (laughs) pro-Hamas. Yes. It's like they represent everybody of every two million Palestinians. Yeah. No, like our government represents all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't. We we think our leaders are idiots. Well, they have the same problem, mm-hmm. and so does Israel. I think their leaders are satanic too. Yeah. So we we've got this line being drawn in the sand of if you're a Christian, you have to support Israel. And well, I support the Jewish people. Yes. As as Jews. That God will restore someday, but is the current modern nation state of Israel God's Israel? You know, and many people think it is without question. Yeah. And we, we say, I'm going to look at the scriptures. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to go. And so actually, we're going to dive in pretty quick today, John, because we've got so much to cover. We had to put this in a four parter. And um, I think that we're going to be seeing. In a passage called the Song of Moses, that's okay. the lens through which we should view Israel. Hmm, okay. And and prophetically. So why don't we dive right in thanking our latest seekers? Yeah, so this episode is brought to us uh, by our premium subscribers, what we also call our seekers. <laughs> they are Chelsea R, Laura H, Amber S, Adela, and Mike D, and Lindsay B. All of which came to us in May of 2023 this year. Thank you, guys. All oh, we're almost into June, so that's good. From this year, we're trying to catch up. And by the way, a special thank you to Adela and Mike. I know them; they're dear friends, and uh-huh. they've been supporters of us in our ministry in every facet of wow. it for so so long. So 
They are a dear brother and sister in Christ. But all of you that have subscribed, we appreciate you. Everything you do helps us bring this content. Uh, you know, we, yeah. we get criticism sometimes uh, from people that think we shouldn't charge for anything. And uh, in one instance, I had a person say, um, well, they cited provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, you know. That passage is meant to be applied to the National Salvation Program of Israel. Mm -hmm. And it was commanded to the disciples. When, when the church tries to apply that to themselves, number one, they're being disingenuous because I guarantee you the person that says you need to follow this is not following that. They have a bank account. They use money. They drive a so, car. But they your, have a job. your point is, people are being critical and saying that we should, we not, should charge. not charge a, a subscription. Right. Well, first of all, we don't. Right. It's free content. We're asking people to subscribe, trying to give them some bonus content, but really trying to give them some value for their dollar. But that's to support a ministry. It's a we're, way to it, thank them. We're not banking money so we can go to Disney World here. Well, like I said, <laughs> nobody gets rich doing a podcast yeah. and all we're trying to do is cover the expenses. So when when people, I mean it's it's I'm not trying to be unkind, but when people say those kind of things, there there's a there's an, a spiritual childishness to that. And they're not being honest yeah. with themselves. Well, potentially something's whispering in their ears. Well. Right. But more importantly, what we're trying to say is how, in, how vital it is that we rightly divide the word of truth. Mm -hmm. Because when we talk about Israel and things like that, uh, the strong position that people are taking that might be pro-Israel is not being looked at through the lens of rightly dividing the word of truth, mm -hmm. not understanding there's a national salvation program of Israel, and we can go on and on. You know, there's the, the error of replacement theology. There's there's all this kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So um, it is always a good idea to view current events through the lens yeah. of Scripture. I'll tell you one thing that's really blown me away with this whole Israel-Hamas-Palestine deal is I, I thought for sure that at when, when, what was it, October 7th, when those attacks happened, that there was going to be this kind of worldwide, like, banding together of, hey, we need to support what happened here to the Israeli people. That was my prediction. It's been the exact opposite. And it has been, I mean, there, people are still standing with the Israeli people, like, and, but it seems like there's an overwhelmingly large number of people worldwide that are like, no, this isn't about standing with Israel. They're the occupiers. They're the terrorists. We need to stand with Hamas. And I'm just like, wow, what kind of spirit is working behind the scenes to make people take one side or the other? Yeah. Well, there's definitely a, a satanic spirit dividing us for sure. Yes. <clears throat> and I, I, I'm seeing more. I don't really understand anybody that would support Hamas, but I definitely understanding not wanting to murder innocent civilians in Palestine. Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm seeing Christians completely turned their face away from the very idea that the genocide of 10,000 young people in Palestine is is like okay it's acceptable because they're Israel and I, I there so oh, the, yeah, yeah. the truth is somewhere in the middle you know the yeah, truth yeah. is not so extreme as we want to say it is so well, we're, we're kind of being worked from both sides <laughs> we are and and to pit us against one another which is exactly what the devil wants yeah and you know John, the Apostle Paul set the example we should follow concerning Israel, stating over and over and again in his, in his epistles, as it is written, as it is written. Mm -hmm. So he's constantly pointing us to go look at the prophets, and he cites the prophets concerning Israel's blindness. 
and their ultimate rejection of the rock, Jesus Christ, yeah. the chief cornerstone. And he includes in his sights uh, the, the Song of Moses, the hmm. prophecy. So we're going to talk about the, the Song of Moses because this same prophecy is mentioned in Revelation mm -hmm. during the time of God's wrath being poured out on the world. And it points us to go back and consider what is going on with the nation God judges, then restores. Okay. So we're going to begin a, a four-part series on the Song of Moses today, and we're going to start in Revelation chapter 15, because to be fair, there's a song Moses and the children of Israel sang after they were delivered from bondage in Exodus chapter 15. Okay. Um, but it is my opinion that that song, that's not the one that's referred to in Revelation 15. Okay. So when, when God says he gave Moses this song to write down and he warns Israel, this is, what gonna, this is what's going to happen. This is what you're going to do. Whereas the other song, when they were delivered, it was like, hey, thank you, God, for delivering us. Well, they were behaving. <laughs> you know, okay. they were saying the right things at that time. But basically, Deuteronomy chapter 31 and 32 contain information about the Song of Moses and the song itself. And so we're going to see the Song of Moses shows up at the end. Okay. So there it is at the beginning of the formation of Israel when they're delivered and when they're before they're about to go into the land mm -hmm. of Canaan. Now, in Exodus chapter 15, verse 1, we read... Revelation. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. Yeah, Thank you. I, I've, I've got my for, head for on the For anybody that's following along. <laughs> Thank you. You're right. One day I'll wake up here. Yeah, so it is Revelation chapter 15. The scene is in heaven. John the okay. Apostle is writing what he's seeing. Okay. And he says, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues. So we've already been through a good bit of the time of tribulation. I believe this is the last three and a half years now. Okay. We're like at the midpoint probably. Okay. Uh, they have the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. So clearly the context is the wrath of God yeah. on the earth. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. So we have to know then that these must be people that were either killed in the time of tribulation mm -hmm. uh, and refused to take the mark, or they were among those that refused to take the mark and they were put to death. Okay. They were beheaded. Like if, if the mark is going to be implemented, as I think it could, in the middle of the week, the middle of the seven years, which is the point at which the Antichrist declares himself to be God in the temple and he defiles the temple. And that's when the false prophet declares that we should, you know, if they should, all the world should worship him and make an image of him and take yeah. his mark. And, and it doesn't matter to me if it's before that, but that seems to be the point at which it's going to happen. Then immediately there's going to be a requirement for people to take the mark and there's going to be those that refuse it and they're going to be put to death. So it seems that these are those that were martyred for not, not taking them out. Real quick question. So when the Antichrist stands in the temple and declares himself to be God, he's going to be declaring himself to be the true Messiah. This is the oh, yeah. second coming. That's yes. what the message is. And that's why the prophet's saying, hey, you need to worship this guy because he's the true Messiah, not that false one that came before yeah. that we put to death. 
Yeah, right. Is, that, is my following along correctly? You're right. If, if what you're saying, and I think you are, is that the false prophet will tell the world the Antichrist is actually Messiah and that Jesus was not the true Messiah. Yeah. Yeah. He's dead. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's what they're going to be proposing or uh, to force the world <laughs> to take the mark. And so what's interesting is these that got victory over the beast because they didn't take his mark. Died. Yeah. I, I would say they died because they're in heaven. Yeah. You know, or, or they got there somehow. Uh, and we would assume they die. But it says they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. And the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. So everything about the statement they're making there, it's almost tying it into bookends. The song of Moses, the song of the Lamb. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. Mm -hmm. So he's brought deliverance. Why bring up the Song of Moses? It must be significant. So, of course, it begs the question, well, what's the Song of Moses? Why is it important? Why are these that got victory over the beast singing the Song of Moses? Mm -hmm. So it tells me we need to go look at the Song of Moses and understand what is that saying so we can relate it to why it is being sung here at the end. In the, last, okay. in the last of the tribulation. And so for a background, we're, we're titling this segment of the Song of Moses series, Prelude, because we're going to spend this episode laying the background for the Song of Moses. Okay. Then we'll dive into the song, and then we'll come to a conclusion. So we turn to Revelation 7, and to set the stage, we notice that the 144,000, which are sealed Jewish males from each of the 12 tribes, and remember when we talked about the uh, hidden ones and we discussed yeah. the, the stones, yeah. the lively stones, what we think that uh, they are clearly going to be identified with tribes, the okay. 12 tribes of Israel. So genetically, they must be somehow linked. And we wonder, how would you trace your genealogy back directly to Levi or Naphtali or Gad yeah. or Dan or Judah? Uh, and so maybe there's something in the transmission of DNA from the hands of those men that grabbed the stones out of the Jordan River and they mm -hmm. set up the memorial. Which, by the way, I found out was in Gilgal in okay. Israel. Yeah. So, uh, and, and Gilgal, I think, literally is interpreted as a circle of stones. And again, those were, the, I'm going back to the previous podcast, when they crossed the Jordan River, God told them to pick up a stone and carry it with them from the river, right? Yeah, the, out of the dry they, riverbed because he parted the river. Oh, that's right, yeah. And then they carried a stone to the other side, and then they set them there. As a memorial. Yeah, as a memorial. That's right. That's right. And what was interesting was we, we noticed that instead of saying, hey, get a few guys to go grab 12 stones, he had the chief of each of the tribes individually carry a stone. Mm -hmm. So that's significant. And it just makes me wonder if that was because their genes were to be somehow connected you know, to, that's to, interesting. And yeah. then that's why when John the Baptist said, God is able of these stones to raise up children unto yep. Abraham. And Jesus said, if these didn't um, give praise to my name, the very stones would cry out. Mm -hmm. And it just makes me wonder if there's something genetically going on there. But back to our passage, those, where, wherever they come from, there are 144,000 mm -hmm. sealed in Revelation 7. And as far as timing goes, this is what I can determine. From Revelation chapter 4 
John is caught up to heaven and he begins to write what he sees there. And then uh, in Revelation 6, his attention is directed back to the earth in verse 12 with the opening of the sixth seal. And once that seal is opened, we come to Revelation 7 where this happens in verse 1. And we read, After these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we've sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. So that's where we get that number from. That's how we know their genealogy. And notice they're being sealed before the final wrath is poured out, okay. where all the trees and everything is, is damaged and hurt. So in Revelation 7, verse 9, it seems like while John's attention is directed to the earth to, to see them numbering and sealing mm -hmm. the 144,000, then he looks back into heaven and look in verse 9, it says... After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Now, this large number of people that are redeemed from the earth appear evidently they weren't there before you know john described yeah, the scene yeah. in heaven before and you had god on the throne you had the lamb you had the four living creatures you had angels uh and then he doesn't mention this the multitude that nobody could number yeah they look down and they number 144,000. those are the people on the sea of glass right the 144,000. Uh, well they that's not who we were looking at in revelation 15. okay uh, those are some people that went through the time of tribulation. Oh, that's and right. They, they died. And they didn't take the mark. Yeah. And yeah. so we're earlier than that. <laughs> okay. And I don't think the wrath has begun to fall yet. So what I'm believing has occurred is the rapture took place. While John was numbering the 144,000 or viewing the numbering of it, mm -hmm. we went up. The church, the body okay. of Christ. That's interesting. Well, because clearly you've got uh, every kindred, people, tongue, that's not yeah. Israel. That's not a nation. That's all nations. So that would be the church, the body of Christ. And I believe they went, went up in the rapture so that the time of Jacob's trouble could begin. Yeah. Now, does that mean mid-trib? No, that means pre-trib. Pre-trib, yeah. So really, the tribulation has not begun yet. Okay. So when we're in Revelation chapter 7, and he, they haven't opened a seal yet. Okay. Well, they're they're opening seals, but they're but things have not yet happened uh, for the time of tribulation. And you might recall in our discussion with Ryan Peterson, author of Judgment of the Nephilim, in our debriefing seminar this past January, Ryan talked about the timing of the opening of those seals. And the first seal mm -hmm. was the the four horses of the apocalypse. You know? yeah, yeah. And then he goes through each of those seals, and many of those things have already occurred. Yeah. You know, we believe that the it was the beginning of sorrows. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I thank Ryan very much for that 
uh, insight into those things. So that's been going on for 2,000 years. Hmm. Okay. And, uh, but the, there's a point at which one of those seals opens and it's like a great earthquake and that's where all hell starts to break loose. So we're right. leading up to that here. So before the angels are allowed to let the uh, hurting of the trees and the, and the sea and everything else, these are sealed. And while they're being recorded as being sealed, John turns around and he looks back up in the floor of heaven and where did you guys come from? There's millions of people. Yeah. 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 So it's a great multitude. So I would argue that was the rapture of the church that has been on the earth for 2,000 years. And then we move forward to Revelation chapter 11 where we begin to see the the wrath poured out and the and the seals and the vials and the bowls and all that stuff, the trumpets sounding. And so after this, the trumpets sound and they begin to pour out wrath. So that's why the the guys had to be sealed first and the and the multitude had to be raptured. So the, re- the reason I asked if this was mid-trib or pre-trib is because, correct me if I'm wrong here, because I am a lot, the true wrath doesn't start occurring until three and a half years into the tribulation period. The last part of the wrath. Yeah. The last part of the wrath. Yeah. The the final uh, vials are poured out okay. in the in the But last. at the beginning of the tribulation is more of a time of peace, wouldn't you agree? Or is that, no, is we that talked about that, and I yeah. think you brought that up before, and I think that's what is perceived by people. Yeah. It, it's not real peace. It's a false peace. Agreed. Because it's the Antichrist yeah, establishing exactly. peace. But there's all kinds of hell going on the earth. Because oh, there's war. It's going crazy, right? Well, he might bring it into the war yeah. in that sense. And I think that's going to be the false peace. Yeah. But remember, we're, and we're about to read about them, the, three, the two witnesses are going to appear and they do signs and wonders and plagues on the earth. Yeah. So there's all kinds of things happening on the earth. Yeah. And people hate God because of it. And they hate yeah. the two witnesses. They want to kill and, them. And you got to think that the, the rapture has occurred, right? So you have right. all these people that just vanish. Yeah. Monetary system probably collapses, right? People can't go to hospitals, whatever. They Which is why it'll switch to the mass beast. confusion yeah. going on. But yeah, that's so you have this three and a half years of just chaos and, and war. And then this guy steps up and solves it all for everybody. Right. So. And ultimately kills the two witnesses. Yeah. So that's where the that's where he's going to really get his hmm. accolades from, you know, and and have the world think, oh, thank God they're gone. This guy, he's a hero. Yeah. You know. So hmm. uh, Revelation eleven verse three, I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, which is three and a half years, mm-hmm. clothed in sackcloth, a, a symbol of mourning. Uh, these are the two olive trees. And the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And the very fact that they're called olive trees ties us back to the olive tree of Romans 11 and where the natural branches were cut off and the wild branches were grafted in. Well, now God's dealing with Israel again. So see, I think we're prematurely saying God's people is Israel because they were a nation again in 1948. And I don't think that's happening. I think what is happening is there's a satanic group of people running that country just like every other country. Mm-hmm. And yeah. their aim is to deceive, divide, and destroy. Because that's every every country right now. Yeah. The, the, the God of this world controls the nations of the world. There are mm-hmm. princes assigned to every country, and there's a prince assigned to Israel. And, we can, and when we talk to Ryan again, we're going to interview him in December, uh, we're going to get into... You know, the Star of David as a symbol is not mm-hmm. scriptural at all. Yeah. And and many, many other things. Hmm. 
So we're going to, okay. I don't want to get too far off on a tangent there, but uh, we're going to look into those things. So he says, these two men, if any man will hurt them, the two witnesses, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. Can you imagine? Like a dragon? Is that yeah. fire or is it just the power of God or is it by the very words they say something and God strikes them, you know, That's with lightning? Yeah. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. So they can't be killed for three and a half years. And watch this. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. That same power and that same event took place with Elijah. Mm-hmm. He prayed and it didn't rain on the earth for guess how long? Three and a half years. Yeah. And have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Well, who did that? Moses hmm. in Egypt. Yeah, yeah. Egypt being a type of the world, and Moses was the prophet of God. So I believe the two witnesses are Moses and Elijah, which brings us back to the Song of Moses. How is this factoring in at the end time here in Revelation? So we're working our way up in a timeline from the rapture to the the singers who sing the song on the sea yeah. of glass. And this is why these guys are not liked very much because they're they're making all this stuff to happen, right? They're bringing plagues. Yes. It hadn't rained in three and a half years. It's like somebody get rid of these guys. Right. So when you say, isn't there going to be a peace on the earth? Well, not for the Doesn't world. Look like yeah. That. It's going to be this. And then other things are happening too, but uh, on top of uh, the, the the wrath or the, the plagues and the things, all these are for signs for Israel. It's, it's God's way of telling Israel, look, here's Moses and Elijah, here's signs and wonders, yeah. here's the 144,000 preaching Messiah is Christ, now will you believe me? And it would seem to me that this is being done because something happened just before these two start this ministry which is probably going to be the invasion of Gog and Magog. Hmm. And God delivers them. And he says, once he drives them back, Gog, he says, once I turn them back, the world or Israel will know that I'm their God and they're my people. He's not, that, that means that they're going to make their confession. They're going to acknowledge in their affliction. He said, they will seek me early in Hosea 5.15. Do you think Gog and Magog is modern day Iran, Russia, China, I do not. No? No. You don't think it's an alliance between those three? I don't. I don't. In fact, um, that's one of the questions I'm going to discuss with Ryan. Ooh, okay. We're going to dig into that because I've got some ideas. Uh, if, If it is a nation or a group of people and you trace that lineage, it's probably something from Turkey. Hmm, okay. But it also could be something altogether. It's something that I don't think most people even want to consider. And I'm going to save that. Okay. I don't want to say it here because I want to present that to Ryan. Since he's a lot smarter than me, <laughs> I want to run that by him. Okay. But uh, we'll, we'll get into we'll, that. We'll hang on to that yeah. thought. Then. I may share it with you privately. Okay. But I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> Sorry. So maybe yeah, that'll be a teaser right. for people to, yeah, people to tune in yeah. for Ryan's interview. Now, another reason why I think these two witnesses are Moses and Elijah is because at the end of the Old Testament in the, in the King James Bible, the last book is Malachi. Mm-hmm. Now, the order is different in the Hebrew Bible. But, um, you know, this is, the, this is the, the Bible that God gave the Christians. And in Malachi chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. And included in all that is the song, the mm-hmm. song of Moses. 
Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And so the last two names mentioned in the Old Testament are Moses and Elijah. Hmm. And the plagues and miracles they perform are the, are the same as the ones done by Moses and Elijah. We just read that in Revelation 11. So I think that's strong evidence that it's everything about these things is pointing us back. What was it about Moses? What is so important about the Song of Moses? Well, when we get into the song, we're going to learn why. Okay. Now we go to Exodus 3. Because Horeb, when he said, remember the law of Moses that I commanded when I gave it to him at Horeb, Horeb was where Moses spoke to the Lord in the burning bush. Okay. That mountain. It's where he announces, God announces that he heard the cry of his people. So if we read Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to have to read a long passage, so I'm going to have to go to my iPad to read it because it won't fit on my screen here. But Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 is God calling Moses, speaking to Moses when he's presenting himself as the, in the burning bush. Okay. And now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. That's the mountain. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God, to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, which tells me they're not dead, yeah. that they're alive eternally. Yeah. You know, they died physically. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt mm -hmm. and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. I just went through that list quickly so I could get through the names. Right, now, by the way, real quick, were you, are those all Nephilim? Yeah. Rephaim people? Yeah. Okay. They sure are. I didn't know if some of them were and some of them were not. And they were mingled. Yeah, yeah. They were mingled. Not everyone was a giant. But mm -hmm. yeah, they were there. Okay. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I've also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So it looks like to me, the people, Israel, mm -hmm. in bondage in Egypt, made their confession. They cried out to the Lord, please yeah. save us. Please deliver us. They were in bondage. Well, this is a type of how God's going to view them again in the future. What was the affliction and the, and the crying out that led to the modern nation state of Israel becoming? You know, there was anti-Semitism yeah. going on in the world. There was persecution of Jews worldwide, but it, they weren't in bondage and affliction and things like that. 
Now, Christians have been persecuted. But you're talking about the modern-day affliction within the last 100 years? Within the last 100 years. So if you go all the way to 1897 with Theodore Herzl, and the Zionist movement began there, and we're not going to go into that whole history, but it was a political, secular movement. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a national confession. It wasn't a people in affliction and bondage that ultimately Mm -hmm. led in 100 years or so, or not quite, to the formation of Zionist Israel. Mm -hmm. Hi, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider being a full-time subscriber. We are going to use these funds to expand the message and get the word out about what's in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. We appreciate you listening, but we'd love it if you'd subscribe. That way we can reach more people with the time we have left. So enjoy the rest of the podcast, but think about subscribing if the Lord puts it on your heart. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks. So this is a type of how God delivered them when he heard their affliction. And he said, in their affliction, they'll seek me early in Hosea 5.15. There's got to be another thing. Who's, who are the taskmasters over Israel right now? Nobody. Yeah, I don't know. Nobody. So I don't, I don't think that's an accurate assessment. And I'm, I'm going to read it one more time because I just referenced it. But uh, I will go and return to my place, Hosea 5.15, till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. Israel being formed in the Zionist uh, Congress wasn't seeking God's face. Yeah. They had a political motive to get back to the land. They wanted a land. And um, as we've discussed in the series about the hidden ones, the true, Zion, true Torah Jews are opposed to Zionist Israel. Mm-hmm. And they're Jewish. You can't mm-hmm. claim that to be anti-Semitic. Yeah. Uh, they're Jewish people and, and, and sincere Jewish people. And, and I would disagree with their doctrinal position of Christ. Yeah. But I don't yeah. dispute where they're coming from in the statement they make about we, uh, Yahweh put us in exile until he's ready to bring us back. And so this was a forced political solution. So it would seem to me that something occurs in the future where Israel, in their affliction, calls out to the Lord as they did in Egypt. They're going to confess the sin, and we can get into what that sin was, and he will hear them, and he's going to deliver them from that particular affliction, which is probably the invasion of Gog. Yeah. Or, or whatever's happening. And then he's going to send the two witnesses and the 144,000 who will minister to them for three and a half years hmm. until the final wrath of God pours out. And that'll be the, the final test of who out of Israel is going to believe on me, believe Messiah, so that the Redeemer will come to them. And only one-third of those who call themselves Israel will be delivered. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So... That brings us back to the book of Revelation because we're working our way in this prelude up to the Song of Moses being sung by the multitude, or by the, uh, not the multitude, but by the group of those that uh, had uh, victory over the beast on the Sea of Glass. And that's Revelation 12 because somewhere during all this, this war begins in heaven. Starting in verse 7, Revelation 12, 7, there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now, you've got to think, we've talked about this uh, on more than one occasion, but 
There are people that think that the spiritual entities in the spiritual realm are, are like ghost-like creatures. Yeah, that was my belief for a long time. Yeah, I think many people think that. They even think, I think that that's when, just people being naive to it. It could be. And also the fact that they think that when we die, we become like angels, like ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. But they're physical beings. Yes. How could they be cast out? Now, Christ mm -hmm. like could cast out demons, but they enter into a physical entity. Yeah. Like the pigs mm -hmm. from, you know, mm -hmm. and the gutterings. So I, I think that, you know, if angels can drag Lot and his wife and daughters kicking and screaming out of Sodom, they physically had a hold of them. Mm -hmm. You know, if um, angels can sit down and eat a roasted kid, and I mean a goat, <laughs> With Abraham and in his tent, you yeah. know, uh, then they have physicality. And Jesus himself, when he was raised from the dead, appeared to the twelve, and and mm -hmm. he said, uh, "Do you have any meat?" And he ate broiled fish and a honeycomb. Yeah, I mean, he has digestive. He has teeth. I mean, you know, it's like I don't know where this idea comes from. So it's wrong to say that the spiritual entities are only ghostly apparitions. I think that's what <laughs> most. I'm going to say Christians, but most people just have that assumption because they just don't understand. Just the term, the term spiritual yeah. makes you, they almost think that that's wrong terminology because mm -hmm. that does make you think of a spirit, right? Or of a ghost or something that's not yeah. uh, something you can touch and feel. Well, Paul people said... People just don't understand it. But, they don't. Yeah. And in First Corinthians 15, Paul said there's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. Mm-hmm. So a spiritual body is still a physical thing. Mm -hmm. it's, from, it's, it's another dimension, if you will, yeah. another realm, whatever, but it's still a physical thing. And evidently, those spiritual beings have the ability to cross dimensions, yeah. come into the physical realm and return to the other realm. But they're very physical in that realm, I can mm -hmm. assure you. Otherwise, how could they battle? You know, if there was oh, yeah. a war in heaven between Michael and his angels and the dragon and his, his angels, and I believe they have craft, you know, the chariots mm -hmm. of fire, or yeah. whatever. So continuing in the passage in Revelation 12, uh, after they're cast out to the earth, it says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren, the dragon, is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And I'm sure the song of the lamb in Revelation 15 will have something to do with this victory. Okay. Um, and they love not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. And I think he's talking about that realm, the okay. spiritual dimension. Rejoice, ye heavens. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. Yeah. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And I suspect when he's cast out to the earth that he is now no longer permitted or able to go into the other dimension. That would make sense. And he yeah. will be here in a physical form in the same way that the fallen angels were in a physical form to take wives to have children in Genesis 6. And that's going to be a scary day right there. Oof. Like, like Swak, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah. Yeah. So shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So moving forward in the book of Revelation, then we see the beast appear, and uh, I think that it's probably likely that 
when the dragon is cast out of heaven, he empowers the beast to declare himself to be God. Okay. And somehow he'll enter into him like, like the devil entered into Judas, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. And so we read in verse 16 of Revelation 13, and this is, we were talking about the false prophet earlier. Well, this is him acting right here. The false prophet says, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. So the mark of the beast will be implemented, likely based on a spiritual, political, financial system mm-hmm. with Jerusalem as the global capital, okay. which will be Mystery Babylon, the mother yeah. of harlots, as yeah. we've discussed before. It would appear that the 144,000 leave with the two witnesses after the, they're killed. The two witnesses get killed. Right, in okay. the middle of the seven years, yeah. the Antichrist. Another thing that, you know, here I so am. Are you saying there's a second rapture? Maybe the 100, of those, 144 go of up? Of the 144,000 and Moses and Elijah. I know Moses and Elijah go up, the two witnesses. Yeah. They're, they come back to life. They lay dead three days. They come back to life, and they're caught up to heaven. Okay. My guess is... The 144,000 also go up at that time because we next see them in heaven. Mm-hmm. We first saw them on the earth being sealed. Now they finish their testimony. Okay. And so when we go to Revelation 14, verse 1, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, mm-hmm. having his father's name written in their foreheads, which I believe is the seal they were given, the name of God in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. <laughs> and they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. Now, I don't think this is the song of the Lamb, but I know it's not the song of Moses. Yeah. Because it's a new song that nobody knows. And when we get to the Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb in Revelation 15, the ones standing on the sea of glass are singing it. Now, Mm -hmm. unless it's the 144,000 in Revelation 15, and it could be, but they're simply described as these who had gotten victory over the beast and the number of his name and things like that. Mm -hmm. Well, gotten victory of it, to me, it seems like these left before that was implemented mm-hmm. or right at the time when the Antichrist declares himself to be God, you know, and mm-hmm. when the devil enters into him and all that. And he destroys and he kills the two witnesses. So now he's the big Messiah person on the earth. He's the, he's the false hero. It says a lamb stood on the Mount Sion and mm-hmm. with him the hunter. So that means that that's Jesus came back, right? Well, it's in heaven. We're, but this is my this Zion is, is in, in heaven. heaven. Yeah. Okay. This is, because it says in the last part of the verse three, and no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty-four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. Yeah. So they're not on the earth anymore. Okay. They've been caught up. Now it could be that they were killed as martyrs. You mm-hmm. know, and, and mm-hmm. maybe that yeah. not only did the Antichrist kill the two witnesses, but he put these to death because they had the seal of God on their foreheads, yeah. the name of God. But it's also possible that they are raptured up because after these two are killed, the two witnesses... Because they refuse to take the mark. 
sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, right. So right. they're killed. They're killed because they wouldn't take the mark. If they were killed for that reason, yeah. they could have been caught up or they could have been killed. My my gut instinct is that they were caught up. They were raptured and not killed yeah. uh, because they're special. They're a special group. They were sealed for a purpose. Hmm. So you know, I think it's fascinating the mark of the beast because. One, it's 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 got to be some kind of technology or something, and I don't know. We don't want to get into some big long discussion about what the mark of the beast is. Yeah. But the fact that it says that no one can buy or sell without the mark, right? Definitely is an indication of financial tie somehow. Like you can't use your bank account. No. Oh, yeah. You can't do business whatever without it. But then, if you're going to be killed, does that mean it also is something that I'm not going to say it? whatever, a jab or something like that, but it's something that technology that maybe fends off a new ailment that is spreading across. I don't know. I'm just throwing out stabs there, right? Well, I but think it, the mark... It's like some all-encompassing thing that they're like, everyone has to take this or else you're going to die. And by the way, you won't be able to live without it unless you want to go you know, hunt fish in the woods. Right. I think the mark of the beast is going to genetically change people to be human 2.0. Mm-hmm. And to be some form of combined, I don't know if it's biometrics, bionics, AI, what? Yeah, I guess what I'm getting at is maybe it's something that all people are, because there's some new sickness, some new ailment that's spreading across the globe. And they're like, if you don't take this, mm-hmm. you're going to die. Could be, could well be tied to that. And maybe it genetically alters you. Well, I think that's the whole point of it. I think they're yeah. simply going to offer, whether there's a another type of disease or pandemic or not. Mm-hmm. I think the deception is going to be when the devil's cast out, they're going to appear as our alien ancestors. Yeah. Our forefathers. They're going to claim that. And they're going to say, you want eternal life. You're ready. You know, you, you, you are the ones that were chosen hmm. to receive the mark and become like us. And then, you know, if you don't take it, well, you'll be put to death. So I think the ones that are going to stand for the truth are going to be considered the the, the terrorists. Christians mm-hmm. are going to be the others. They're going to be the enemy. And so they're going to be hunted down. And the world will willingly do so. The world will think, oh, yeah, they're bad. Because they're being othered right now. I was about to say, look what they're doing right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's hmm. coming. Wow. It's coming. Now, just a little bit later in the same chapter, Revelation 14, we read in verse 9, And the third angel followed them with a loud voice. And this is uh, followed the 144,000 that were, you know, um, Mm -hmm. we were just reading about. It says, with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. So when when we lay out this chronology, you've got the Antichrist appearing in Revelation 13 and they set up his image and they, and they declare that the world has to take his mark and worship him. And 14, the 144,000 are gone, and the two witnesses mm-hmm. were, were killed and caught up. Uh, and then, then we hear this angel saying to the world, don't take the mark of the beast. So it would seem to me that the mark of the beast is going to be implemented at that point. 
Okay. Therefore, the 144,000 likely were caught up and not killed because they rejected the mark. Yeah. You know, because they um, they could yeah, be all sense. over the world yeah. preaching. Yeah. You know? So that's that's one reason why I say that. Okay. Now, to wrap up today's episode, what we'll do is we'll dive into the actual Song of Moses. We got this bit of a background now. Okay. We, we, we led up to what brings us to the song being sung. And it's it appears that the, the song is being sung by those in Revelation 15 who got victory over the beast in the mark. So I believe it's after these, somewhere in the and near the end of the seven years of tribulation. Okay. And it, it would seem that the Lord is about to return and he's about to pour out the last bit of his wrath. It could be it's the beginning of the last three and a half years. Yeah. You know. But either way, it's those that were killed and maybe they're going to be martyred very quickly, you know, in that last half of the seven years. Uh, there's going to be a rounding up. They'll, they'll be able to ID people and, yeah. you know, they could maybe send drones to kill them. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of horrible technology yeah. and, and weapons of war that are going to be implemented for this. But whatever it is, they die. They take the victory uh, over the beast, and then they sing the song. And what's interesting is they sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. So it would seem to me that the song of Moses is being sung because it's like we're about to close the song out. The performance is done. Right, mm-hmm. yeah, and now the song of the Lamb begins, yeah, and he's going to come back and restore and everything else. So let's go look in Deuteronomy chapter thirty-one for the background of the Lord giving Moses this song to testify against Israel for breaking his covenant, and he said it would not be forgotten. Okay, the song would not be forgotten. So. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. He's about to die. And this people, the children of Israel that he delivered out of Egypt, this people will rise up and go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land. Mm -hmm. Now, that term a-whoring is adultery. And it has to do with how God called a wife Mm-hmm. Israel, and she was unfaithful, like in the book of Hosea, when he tells Hosea, go take a wife of whoredoms, and she mm-hmm. takes Gomer. Mm-hmm. Interesting about that word there. I, I, I keep dropping hints about what we're going to talk about okay. with Ryan, because Gomer was one of the children of Japheth, or one of his grandchildren. Okay, And so if you remember Noah's three sons, Japheth, Shem and Ham. Yep, yep. And from those three and their wives, the world was repopulated mm-hmm. after the flood of Noah. So you can trace historically, geographically, and scripturally how those families of the earth began to be spread and then separated okay. at a point after, say, the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. And so those sons of Japheth uh, essentially settled in the region of Turkey and the Caucasus, okay. the mountains of that region, and then going north, because that's where Ararat is close. It's a different range, but mm-hmm. uh, like it's just south of the Caucasus is Mount Ararat, where the, no, the ark came to rest okay. after the flood. And then going north from there, it would appear that Japhethites, which include names like Gomer, 
Meshach, Tubal, Ashkenaz. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, these are the Caucasian peoples. Elam, maybe I, I forget. And and so they went into regions as as broad as like parts of Persia, Armenia, mm-hmm. maybe up to the Indus River in India, and then they settled into Europe. Okay. Right? Whereas the Semitic peoples filled most of the Middle East, some of Turkey, okay, and some of the Persian area and whatever, Arabia, you know what have you. And then I think they migrated east towards you know China and things uh-huh. like that. Yeah. And then the Hamitic people. Uh, we're mostly in the land of Canaan and then south of that, Egypt, Africa. Okay. Okay, so okay. that's where those families got dispersed around the world. So anyway, I said all this because Gomer is a Japhethite. So we could say a Caucasian-type okay. genetic person. But the name Gomer is this woman that Hosea is told to take to wife. And she's a wife of whoredoms. Mm-hmm. And in that analogy, Hosea represents the Lord, and Gomer represents the unfaithful wife Israel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Israel is Semitic. Coming from Abraham through to Jacob, those are Shemites. Yeah. Why does she have a Japhethite name, Gomer? I don't know. There's something about there? that. There's okay. something about that. Huh. Uh, when you think about people that call themselves Ashkenazi Jews, yeah. Sephardic Jews, whatever. Um, there's there's a lineage in there that tells us something. Huh, okay. We're going to dive into that with Ryan. Ah. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Building this conversation up a lot. Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, because I do think it's going to be a fascinating discussion. Okay. I really do. Now, um, he said that they're going to go whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land, whither they go to be among them, and will forsake me. And that word forsake is important because even Paul later says they forsook the rock of their salvation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the song says it too. And break my covenant, which I've made with them, which was the law, Mm -hmm. the law of Moses, the Old Testament. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day. And I will forsake them. And I will hide my face from them, which he did in Hosea 15. And they shall be devoured and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that, that they will say in that day, when the evils happen, are not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us. And I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they have wrought, and that they are turned unto other gods. And as far as I'm concerned, they still are. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I guess what I mean by that is the nation Israel to this moment. I mean, Paul said that, that Israel is blinded. And when he says Israel, he's talking about the, well, it was the nation at the time. Yeah. But he was talking about his brethren, the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. So he, the Israelites, he would have said. The Israel of today, I think they worship a false god, or at least the secular leadership worships a god. And it's not. You say they worship a false god. Yeah. Who would they, what would that be? Well, that ties back into the symbol of the Star of David. Okay. Which is the actually Saturn. Hmm. Moloch. Oh. Kayun. And, uh, and it's a Babylonian thing that came, that came from the Talmud. It came from the Babylonian rabbinical teaching, Kabbalah. So, okay, so <laughs> that's a pretty bold statement, but is that... And I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm, that's kind of blowing my mind. So they, 
not only did they deny the Messiah, but they've been misled to the point where they're actually doing some kind of satanic worship. Is that right? The leaders, all satanic leaders. Yeah. All leaders are satanic. Whew. And I and I think that you know what, what you basically have is not the teaching. There are Orthodox Jews that believe in the teachings of the Torah, mm -hmm. and they worship the true God of Heaven. They're still in rejection of Messiah. Yeah. But yeah. I believe they truly worship the God of Heaven. But you know. You've got people in the U.S. Congress or the president or whatever that will claim to be Christians. Yeah. You know, but they are not. Yeah. They worship Satan. And they, they by their actions, by the things they do, they're pedophiles. Uh, they're mm -hmm. in, involved in graft. Our current moronic leader uh, is, is involved in so much corruption. And it's being covered up by the oh, CIA yeah, and the media. It's so blatant. Yeah, he's as satanic as the day is long. Whole, his whole career has yeah. been corruption. And and all of those people that really run this government are, are behind the scene. We didn't elect them. Yeah. You know, yeah. the CIA, whatever. And so it's the same with Mossad and, and the Nisset. They're the, they're just as bad. Mm -hmm. So I believe they're all part they're all the satanic global elites. Why would Israel get a pass and not be uh, pointed out as being part of the satanic global elite? And I mean the leadership. I mean the yeah, nation, yeah. the political entity. So they don't get a pass. Not in my book. Mm -hmm. uh, and and Christians that are doing that are extremely naive, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, I don't know who God's chosen people truly are in the world, but I think they're hidden. Mm -hmm. And uh, I yeah. I don't have a way to put it. And I think God's going to keep it that way until it's time, because He doesn't want the dragon to know who they are. Mm -hmm. which would make sense to me, which is why that parable of the treasure hidden in the field is, yeah, is so exactly. applicable to that. Mm -hmm. Now, continuing on, he says, And I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they shall have wrought, and that they are turned unto other gods. Now, therefore, write you this song for you and teach it to the children of Israel. So he's basically saying, here's the song I'm going to give you, Moses. Okay. Write it down and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. For when I shall have brought them into the land which I swear unto their fathers, that floweth with milk and honey, which he did through Joshua, mm -hmm. and they shall have eaten and filled themselves and waxen fat, which means they've you know, gotten full, then will they turn unto other gods and serve them and provoke me and break my covenant and it shall come to pass when many evils and troubles are uh, befallen them that this song shall testify against them as a witness. For it shall not be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed. For I know their imagination which they go about even now before I have brought them into the land which I swear. Moses therefore wrote the song that same day and taught it to the children of Israel. Hmm. And so we're going to spend the next three episodes diving into that song and it is not a good song really? until the last verse when God says he'll deliver his people. But first, I'm going to put them through everything they did to me. And mm -hmm. he, he holds them accountable. And so I think it's applicable today. And it's still being applied because he's waiting for them to cry out. And it has not happened. Hmm. It has not happened. And I think it may very well be, and I don't know this for sure, but it may very well be that what's going on right now in Israel and between Hamas and Hezbollah and all the rest, yeah. it could be the destruction of that modern nation state that's going to turn to, because I think 
all the anti-Israel rhetoric being put out in the world right now, uh, and they mean it towards Zion Israel. Yeah. They mean it towards the nation state of Israel, but it's going to turn into persecution and uh, uh, and and uh, the harm of Jews around the world. Kind of looks like it's starting to already, doesn't it? Yes. I mean. And like the true Torah Jews say and their rabbis say, we believe Israel being in the land right now has led to greater anti-Semitism hmm. and greater persecution of Jews around the world because the majority of Jews don't live in Israel. Yeah. Most of them, the largest numbers in the United States. Yeah, yeah people, you see people being attacked now around the world. Yeah. But, you know. and, and they've historically been persecuted. Don't get me wrong. There have been yeah. times in, when Spain said all Jews get out and they've, mm -hmm. you know, they've all been persecuted. Of course, we know about World War II and Nazi Germany. Yeah. We know all about that. We understand that. They're not the only group of people that have been persecuted. You know, you've got millions that were killed in, by Pol Pot in Cambodia and millions that were killed under the Bolshevik Revolution of Russia. And they weren't Jewish people. Mm -hmm. But you never hear about that. You know, but you, yeah. we, when we talk yeah. about the Holocaust, we're talking about Jews. I'm not denying the Holocaust at all. Yeah. I, I know that was a persecution of people that were um, calling themselves Jewish uh, people. And uh, there's more to that story than we really know, but it was it happened, and yeah. it's true. Yeah. Now, uh, if, if that was the final straw that broke the camel's back to allow the world to be sympathetic to letting them come take the land of Israel, that it was used and manipulated politically, I think, hmm. uh, to, to, to that end. Because they could have gone anywhere. I mean, there was a plan to go to Argentina. There was a plan, mm -hmm. you know, they could have gone anywhere. And, and many Jews that lived uh, for centuries in nations like Iraq and Iran and places like that uh, all say, you know, until 1948, we got along with all of our yeah. Muslim neighbors. We uh, There were Christians, there were Jews, there were... Uh, and Muslims all living together in the Ottoman Empire and things like that. I'm not saying there weren't problems, but they were Absolutely, friends, yeah. they got along, and there was no wide-scale uh, hatred of Judaism or anything like that. But you're saying once 1948 happened, then they became known as occupiers. That's right. From the perspective of the Arab peoples yeah. and, the, and the Muslim people, and that's caused led to all this. So it's coming to fruition now, and it may be that this in my opinion, overreach by the Zionist modern nation state of Israel to pay back tenfold Hamas by killing a bunch of innocent Palestinians mm -hmm. uh, is going to turn and bite them. And I more, see it looks like it's happening. And more importantly, it's going to turn to persecution of Jews around the world yeah. that had nothing to do with this yeah. uh, and, and nothing to do with Israel's policy towards Palestine. And therefore... Um, that could be an affliction that's going to mm -hmm. cause mm -hmm. them to cry out. I don't know. Hmm. So uh, we'll dive deeper into this, Lord willing, next time. And we're going to start with verse 1 of the Song of Moses. Okay. So, well, John. You just teed it all up for us for next week. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so we appreciate you guys listening and, and bearing with us as we try to set the stage for the Song of Moses series, and hopefully something we have to say is going to open your eyes and at least cause you to question the official narrative of what's going on yeah. tomorrow. John, thanks. I look forward to next week. Me too. Until then, be sure to look up for our redemption draws nigh. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, 
please consider subscribing to our premium ad-free content at BibleMysteriesPodcast.com.